On this episode, hear from Johnson County Local Health Officer Dr. Joseph Lamaster. He'll address the vaccine trials happening, how close we are to an approved vaccination, and how a COVID-19 vaccine could be distributed. Also hear how COVID-19 treatments are improving as we learn more about the disease. Whether you live in or just love Johnson County, Kansas, JOCO On The Go has everything Johnson County. Here's what's happening and what's coming up in the community you call home. Thanks for joining us for JOCO On The Go. I'm your host, Teresa Freed, a Johnson County resident and employee of Johnson County government. COVID-19 has created a vastly different year. Mask mandates, physical distancing, hospitalizations for otherwise healthy people, and disruptions to school and work. So what's the key to returning to some normalcy, getting a handle on the disease with a vaccine? Johnson County Local Health Officer Dr. Joseph Master is here today to talk about the outlook for a vaccine and much more. Can you start by talking a little bit about the vaccine trials that are happening? KU Medical Center is taking part in one of those, uh, a vaccine that was produced in England by Oxford University and AstraZeneca Pharmaceuticals. This is a vaccine that was based on some work that had been done earlier uh, on other similar viruses to coronavirus, so they were building off of what they had before. Uh, And the virus uh, has very special characteristics. Uh, You've seen all the pictures that we have shown of the virus and the little things that look like crowns, which is why we call it coronaviruses, the spikes, are all a special protein we call the spike protein. So the thing that is peculiar about this virus is that spike protein. So most of the viruses are one way or another trying to induce immunity against the spike protein. The way that vaccine trials work, uh, there are three stages of them. In the earliest stages, before you ever would see them in a place like KU, uh, at the place where they're originally developed, they are safety trials. So they just want to make sure that when they give the vaccination to people that they don't have an immediate reaction to it or any really severe reactions. After we get to that, past that phase, and the phase we're in now are called the phase three trials, where they have previously not seen any negative side effects to the vaccine. And now the question is, does it work to reduce uptake? Uh, Does it work to reduce transmission in the community? So the vaccine is then given randomly to one out of two people in a lar- out of a large number of people. They are r- so-called randomized. So the person who goes into that trial will be randomized either to receive the vaccine or to receive a placebo, which has nothing in it really that, that is a vaccine of any sort. Then for a while after that, you would have a series of blood draws perhaps every three months to determine whether you have had an immune response to the vaccination. During the period that you participate in the trial, you would not be eligible to receive the vaccine after it is released commercially because you would be participating in the trial. So there could be some delay in you receiving active vaccine if you were in the placebo arm and you won't know whether you were or not. So this is something to consider. It is very important for people to participate in these trials because it gives us an idea about whether the vaccine works or not. The other thing that will be monitored among people in these large trials is the differences between the placebo 
and the active arms of the trial, those who received the vaccine versus the placebo, in the rates of infection that they receive in the community. So they'll be actually watching for people who get COVID or don't get COVID in the different arms. You would expect if the vaccine is working that the transmission or people getting the virus from the community in the vaccine arm that received the vaccine would be really, really low, whereas it would be the same as it is in the underlying community uh, overall in people uh, who receive the placebo. Sometimes when a vaccine re works really, really well after we've been monitoring the results both in terms of the antibody tests and in terms of whether people who receive the vaccine actually get COVID or don't get COVID versus people uh, who, did, who received the placebo, sometimes we find that the evidence uh, that the trial has had uh, a, a positive effect, that, it re that the vaccine works to prevent COVID, sometimes in a situation like that, in a randomized trial, uh, the investigative team will stop the study early because the effect is so dramatic and they can demonstrate that effect to be so dramatic that they don't take the study all the way out to the end. Uh, that would mean that's called early stopping uh, on the basis of uh, an effective um, result. Sometimes that also happens if something, uh, some side effect that's unanticipated happens and, and they consider that um, the agent that's being given is dangerous. So you've probably heard that in some other types of uh, drug trials that have come out. But in a vaccine trial, that rarely happens because we've done all the safety work uh, before it gets to the, public, um, to the public phase, the phase three, which we're getting ready to do in Kansas City now. When a vaccine is ready, what will that look like? So in terms of the timeline of available vaccine, the fact that we're having these vaccine trials in Johnson County and the Kansas City region doesn't really make uh, any big difference to the availability of the vaccine, of an effective commercial vaccine uh, in the near future. This is not the only trial that's being conducted. There are other vaccines that are being tested around the country, around the world. Uh, and of course, it's like a horse race. Everybody wants to be first over that line. So the, the development teams are working furiously. We still believe that it probably, we probably will be lucky to see vaccine available before the first of the year. Uh, the teams are working as hard as they can. Everybody wants to be first to, uh, to uh, release their results and to make their vaccine available. You've probably heard that mass production of these vaccines in anticipation of the distribution has already begun even before the results of the trial are complete so that as soon as we have the results of the trial distribution can start immediately so there, there won't be a long gap after the trial results are completed or the, the information is available. This is going to happen really quickly at the end. Do we know more about the effectiveness of a COVID-19 vaccine? So there are a couple things to consider about this. First off, the vaccine will initially be made available to the highest risk population. So first responders, uh, healthcare providers, etc. Then it will be uh, to higher risk people like those in nursing homes or others who are at high risk and then the general population. So that will all happen over uh, a period of months. Imagine sort of three to six months for everybody to get vaccinated. Um, and, and after that, 
The real question is how long does that vaccine work? There's some concern that the vaccine's effectiveness may be short-lived, that immunity may be as low as three to four months in duration, which might mean that until we have good evidence of herd immunity that there are, there's a need to have repeated administrations of the vaccine. Um, we believe that if the majority of the population take part in the vaccine trials, those who are not already immune, um, take part in the vaccine trials, that we should be able to reach herd immunity fairly quickly. Not everyone in the population needs to have the vaccine in order for us to reach herd immunity. It's somewhere around 70 to 80 percent, and that usually uh, will cause the reproductive number or the, the number that we look at that tells us that, that the vaccine is going to either increase in its, its uh, prevalence in the community or is going to die out. Uh, so once we get to that amount, then um, the, the amount of, of, of infection that we see in the community will go down quickly. There are some people who feel very strongly that they do not want themselves or their child to be vaccinated. And in actual fact, we need to discuss that when we get to that point. Um, it really would depend on how many people did not want to have the vaccine. Um, we strongly will encourage everybody to have it. Obviously, there's a lot of urgency to develop a vaccine. Does that pace impact safety? There is no evidence for this vaccine thus far to have any side effects or have any unsafe complications as a result of taking it. The laws and rules uh, that surround the production and testing of vaccinations in this country are very stringent. And if a vaccine is released, it already has gone through the most strict of uh, of testing to make sure that it's safe before it is, it is released. That's the point of these large, uh, these large uh, studies that are being done. One thing that's important to realize is that the same safety protocols that are in place for these vaccine trials are the same that we use for any vaccine trials. None of those protocols have been uh, skipped over or eliminated in order to get this vaccine out. It's a bit of a waiting game right now. In the meantime, how has treatment of the disease changed or improved as we learn more about its effect on the body? So we know that there is a lot of virus out there, especially in our county. If you look at the county website, you'll see very high numbers of cases being diagnosed each day. The risk factors for the complex type of COVID, that is, that would put you in the hospital, in an ICU, on a ventilator, are in fact related to things that you've heard about. Older people are at higher risks. Those who are obese, who have hypertension, who have diabetes, those people are at high risk. That does not mean that the risk of those complications uh, is zero in young people, and we still see young people all around the country, including children, who get COVID and get severe complications, end up in the ICU, end up on ventilators, or dying. The issue is that you don't really know, if you become infected, if that might happen to you. Your risk may be less, but it doesn't mean it is zero. But then looking at our overall rates of, uh, of hospitalization and especially ICU and ventilator use and deaths of COVIDs, uh, I think that we can kind of safely say, and people can see on our county uh, Tableau website, uh, that the number of deaths uh, have not 
followed the increase in the number of cases, that the number of deaths has still remained relatively low. And part of that is because we have better treatments now than we did at the beginning. So you've heard a lot about convalescent plasma. We are using that. We use high-dose steroids. There are different ways of even positioning uh, patients that are becoming hypoxic uh, when they're in the hospital so that their lungs work better. Uh, they do better if they're uh, prone, which means laying on their stomach rather than laying on their back. There are, and then there are other uh, treatments that we've been using. You've probably heard about remdesivir, which is uh, an antiviral agent that we use in certain uh, patients that are at high risk of going on the ventilator. All of these things that we've learned over uh, the previous months, what works, what doesn't work. There have been some randomized controlled trials uh, that have been done during this period of time to show us how and guide our, our therapy for, uh, for treating the patients so that our death rates uh, are coming down or at least not going, um, we're not seeing more deaths than we, uh, than we did initially. And I think that's very good news because we are learning how uh, to treat this appropriately uh, so that people, so that death is less likely. Well, on the other hand, it's important to realize that some of the complications that happen uh, with people in, that have COVID have been things that have long-lasting effects. As an example, uh, we know that COVID produces some kind of changes in the clotting system so that people have, for instance, strokes and renal failure, ending up on dialysis, and those produce long-lasting effects. So when they happen to you, and they happen sometimes to quite young people, even though you might survive COVID, uh, lifestyle could be very different after COVID than it was before. So this is, these are all reasons to say, yes, we are getting better at treating COVID and preventing death, uh, but that does not mean if you get COVID that very bad things could not happen to you. So it's important to do all we can to protect ourselves and each other by all of us wearing masks and reducing the transmission, washing your hands before you eat or touch your face or touch anybody else, and maintaining that six foot of, of distance. A lot of great information and we have much more on our website. Visit jococov.org forward slash coronavirus. You can also subscribe to a daily e-newsletter with the latest information on the county and state's response to the pandemic. Thanks for joining us and thanks for listening. You just heard Joko on the go. Join us next time for more Everything Johnson County. Have a topic you want to discuss? We want to hear from you. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at JocoGov. For more on this podcast, visit jocogov.org forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening.